Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you for the privilege that we have to open up our Bibles freely, to study the scriptures together as a church family, to read the word together as a church family. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now, and we ask that you would give us revelation. We ask that you would give us spiritual understanding and insight. Help us to, uh, first and foremost, understand the scriptures from our spirit, not just with our head. I pray in the name of Jesus that the word of God would penetrate deep down into our hearts and into our spirits, and it will not return void just like you promised. It will bring forth fruitfulness. It will cause us to be transformed. It will cause us to become more like Christ. It will cause us to walk in love in greater degrees. It will cause us to walk in the spirit of unity in greater degrees. It will cause us to become a healthy church in greater degrees. So we open up our hearts to you right now, Holy Spirit. We open up our hearts to the Word of God, and we thank you in advance for speaking to us and bringing us strength and insight and revelation. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen and amen. Well, if you want to turn to two places in your Bible, uh, the book of Ephesians and the book of Acts. We're going to read one verse from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, and then we're going to read a few verses in the book of Acts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. This is what the Bible says. It says, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Some of you might be thinking, Pastor Robert, I don't need my body to grow anymore. I'm with you with that. Amen. That is not what this is talking about. So let me just back up. I'm not going to read. But the context in Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus starts to begin to explain, or the Bible explains that Jesus gave gifts to the church. And the gifts are people. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Did you know that I was a gift? Some of you are like, yeah, that's a go-back gift. Come on, show me some love this morning. Uh, Pastors are a gift. And then he goes on and he talks about, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talks about um, how the church is supposed to function and grow together in unity. And he talks about one of the purposes of these gifts, one of them is a pastor, is to help to prepare, to equip, to put together Uh, each individual member of the church family, the body, the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ is being restored and being equipped and finding their place, they're going to begin to come together and they're going to begin to knit their hearts together and they're going to begin to grow and they're going to become more and more like who? Guess who? Jesus Christ, right? And they're going to become spiritually mature, They're not going to fall prey to false doctrine. And he goes on and he talks about how all of this is working together so that when we get to verse 
16, from whom the whole body, that's the body of Christ, the church family, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part, I'm a part, you're a part, you're a part, you're a part, you're a part. Every part does its share, causes growth of the body, the family of Christ, for the edifying, the building up of itself in love, in God's love. Receiving God's love, walking in God's love, demonstrating God's love. So he's talking about how the body of Christ comes together and works together, and they're joined and knit together. So I just wanted to remind us, we started last week, just a two-part two-part talk, two-part lesson, that I'm just calling joined and knit together. Joined and knit together. And the, uh, the subtitle is Teamwork for the Kingdom of God. Say the subtitle with me, come on. Teamwork for the kingdom of God. And if you remember, last week I just pointed out three simple things. The first thing I pointed out was that God has given me a special ability. God has given you a special ability. Everybody, God has given you a special ability. It's called the gift, and we're going to look at that. The second thing I pointed out was TEAM, T-E-A-M. The acronym for TEAM is TOGETHER. Everyone accomplishes more. Team. Everyone accomplishes. Together, everyone accomplishes more. And the third thing I just laid out very easy was teamwork causes growth in the family. That's what Ephesians 4.16 says. And I think it's interesting. Pause and think about that. It's not all up to God if a church family grows internally and becomes mature, and if a church family grows numerically and reaches more people. It's not all up to God. It says here that when we're joined and knit together and we're all finding our place, that causes the church family to grow. Each individual gets stronger in the relationship with God. Each individual becomes more like Christ and then together as a whole, we begin to grow internally and externally. How many of you believe that God wants more people to say yes to Jesus and come into the family? Come on. How many of you believe that once we're in the family, God wants to cha change us and transform us and shape us and help us to become spiritually mature, imitating and becoming more and more like Christ? How many of y'all believe that, right? So that's not all automatic, According to these scriptures in Ephesians, we play a small part in that. So the title for today's message is Pulling Together as a Team. Pulling Together as a Team. Acts chapter 6, I want to show us in verses 1 through 7, a great picture of the apostles and the early church and how they pulled together as a team. So I'm going to read a few verses, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. This is what the Bible says. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying. Let me pause a couple times here just so we're on the same page. I don't want to assume everybody knows this. The word disciples, we don't use that word all the time. But the Bible does, and the word disciples means a learner or a student. It describes one who has made himself available to learn from and be a student to Jesus, our master, and make a decision to follow him. That's a disciple, okay? So in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, 
there arose a complaint in the church family against the Hebrews um, and, and by the Hellenists. So let me just, let me, that's kind of tricky. Against the Hebrews, the Hebrews were from Israel and they spoke Hebrew or Aramaic, some people say. By the Hellenists. The Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews. So they didn't speak the same language, even though they were in the same church family. I don't know how or what exactly caused a little bit of a rift there. And so some people were being neglected. Uh, the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So they must have had some distribution going on of food or supplies or something. And some of these widows were being neglected. They were being passed over. And, and there was a complaint about it. In verse 2, then the 12, say 12, then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples, that's the rest of the church, and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. In other words, our primary focus is to study the scriptures, to read the scriptures, to pray and to be able to feed the rest of the family from the scriptures and from, from praying and connecting with God. They're not saying that I'm above serving tables. They're not saying that's, that's beneath me serving tables. No, they're just trying to help everybody understand that everybody has a part to play. And my main part is to pray and to connect with God and know the scriptures so that I can feed the church family. That's what they were saying. Verse 3, so then they said this, Therefore, seek out from you brethren. That includes sister and two. Amen. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. Seek them out from among you, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Stephen means crowned. By the way, Stephen was the first martyr. He died for his faith. And they also chose a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit and Philip. Philip means lover of horses. And they chose Prochorus. And that means a, the leader of a chorus. It's the leader of a chorus. Nicanor, that means conqueror. Timon, that means honorable. And then they chose Parmenas, that means abiding or constant, and Nicholas, that means victor of the people. And they also chose, um, let's see, I think that's it. So they chose these seven. And the Bible says in verse 6, Now they set them people before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Laying hands on them means they just gently put their hand on them. And it was a way to come into agreement with what God was going to do in and on their life. And it was a way to spiritually impart something to them so that they can serve. Verse 7. Then it says the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So some of the priests weren't obedient to the faith. And after this happened, they became obedient to the faith. So this is a powerful picture of church family pulling together as a team. I want to just point out some truths from this text so that they can kind of find their way into our heart and into our mind and into the fabric of our church family. Look at verse 2, Acts 6, 2. Look at it again. It says, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Remember, Jesus selected twelve 
men to be with him. Those were his apostles, his disciples. Um, one of them, unfortunately, um, Judas, you remember Judas, uh, he, he betrayed Jesus. He, he sold him over for uh, some silver, and the Bible says that he hung himself. And so when it says 12 here in Acts chapter 6, it's not including him. They replaced him. Uh, these 12 people are Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Nathaniel, Matthew, Thomas, James the Younger, Simon the Zealot, Thaddeus, and Matthias. So the 12, these 12, summoned the multitude. Hey, come on up. We need to have a church meeting. Some of the widows are being neglected. We can't be neglecting the widows. We can't neglect anybody in the family. So they said, we got to pull together. We got to come up with something so that this doesn't happen moving forward. So I want to show you uh, three things that it takes in order for us to pull together as a team. And here's the first one. If you have your sermon guide, here's a fill in the blank. Pulling together as a team takes the church family sharing the responsibilities within God's kingdom. Would you say it with me, church? Come on. Takes church family sharing the responsibilities within God's kingdom. Did you see that there? The 12, they summoned everybody together and they said, hey, we got we to gotta, we gotta come up with a plan. We got to share this responsibility so that the widows aren't neglected. Now, I just want to remind you, each of you have a gift from God. Each of you have a special ability that he created you with. And once you come into the family of God, he supersizes that with the Holy Spirit. And he wants for you and I to discover that gift and to begin to share that gift in the sharing of the responsibilities in the church family. Why? So that we can grow internally and externally. That's what the scriptures say. Amen? Now, I just want to remind you of the gift. Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. If you've never highlighted this portion of the scriptures in your Bible, I would suggest it. Get your pen out. Get a highlighter out. And go home and look at this a little closer. These are called your motivation gifts or your creation gifts. These are gifts that the Father has created every human being with so that we can use it for his glory and for his kingdom. Romans 12, 6 through 8, this is what it says. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Now, that word gifts specifically is talking about a supernatural Holy Spirit gift that God gives you as a child or as a daughter of God where he's partnered with you by his spirit to utilize that gift, to cause that gift to grow and to flourish for the kingdom's sake, for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the family. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Verse 7, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. 
So these are seven gifts that everybody has. And I want to just take some time. I'll remind us, if God wants us to share the responsibilities, it would be helpful for me to know I have a gift. God's designed me in a certain way, and I can use that to be a benefit to the kingdom of God and to God's family. Now, I'm going to go through the gifts real quickly. Not going to take a lot of time, but I just want to mention them. So the first one, prophecy. It says that if you can prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God gives you. So prophecy here in this context, it doesn't mean to foretell the future. It doesn't mean that you hold the office of a prophet and you're foretelling the future like we see in the Old Testament primarily. That word means to speak out with words that the Holy Spirit gives you to be an encouragement to someone else. It's prophetic words. It's words from the Spirit that inspire and edify and comfort and encourage another person or other people. Some people are geared towards prophesying and using that kind of a gift. The second gift that is served here, and this is where every single one of us has this for sure, serving, serving. It's interesting. How many of you ever heard of a deacon in a church? A deacon. Some churches have deacons, right? And the word serving in the Greek is diakonia, D-I-A-K-O-N-I-A. That's where we get the English word deacon. And it simply means someone who serves uh, in, a, in a wide uh, array of ministry activity. It could be cleaning the church. It could be on the greeting team. It could be cooking food. It could be on the construction team. Uh, it could be assisting a leader in any capacity. It could be serving in the children's ministry somehow. Some people just have a gift to serve. Uh, they just make themselves available, and they want to be a servant. You know, Jesus said, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's a characteristic of a follower of Jesus. The next gift that's listed here is teaching. Teaching. Discovering and explaining biblical truth so that people can understand it, so that people can apply it to their life. Some of you have the ability to teach, but you've never quite considered that ability to be moved over here into teaching the Bible. If God's given you an ability to teach, and you ask him to help you utilize that in teaching the Bible, he probably will. Because if you've got an aptitude to understand something and then communicate it to someone in a way where they could understand it and apply it to their life, you're a teacher. And God wants to use you in his kingdom to, to benefit the family. Another one here is an encourager. An encourager, you know what that is. One who comes alongside of another to fill with spiritual courage and to strengthen, right? You pour in courage into someone. So people are gifted to be encouragers. How about giving? This is someone who just has a joy in giving, and they want to give, and they want to share of their finances, of their material wealth, to, to fund parts of the kingdom of God. And there's a special anointing, a special gift on people to do that. Leadership. Leadership means to oversee. It means to stand before or go before and with others to accomplish kingdom goals. Some of you have leadership capability, and God wants to use that. For some of you are using that already, and God is grateful for that. Others of you have yet to utilize that in the kingdom, and God wants to. And then the last one it mentions here is uh, kindness or mercy. Kindness or mercy. And it's, it's a person who just 
who has an ability to spiritually connect with someone and empathize with them, show them acts of kindness, show them mercy, especially people that are afflicted in life or experiencing trouble or a hard season in life. Some of you are gifted. You've got this supernatural ability to show mercy and to show kindness. So looking at those gifts, which gift do you have? Which gift do you have? Which gift do you think God has given you? Most likely, you have an idea of what that is. It's possible you don't, but God will show you if you ask him. And he wants for us to be able to utilize those gifts in the body of Christ. Now, let me say this because I want to make sure that, it, that I'm coming across <clears throat> with the right heart and the right motive. Okay, I want to make sure. I know that there are people in our church family across all three of our campuses, and they serve... Um, outside of the walls of the church. They serve in their community. They serve in their mom's club. And they serve in their uh, club at work. Or they serve in various ways for the kingdom outside of the church family. And that is valid, 100%. We need to be light in a dark world. Amen. We need to do that. However, I also want to include the necessity of what's being talked about in Ephesians chapter 4. That is a picture of each of us finding our place within the walls of the church, so to speak, within the church family. Now, if you have kids in your home, and they're next door or down the street, and they're always doing chores for that family, hey, great job, River, great job, Austin. We're so glad you're helpful. We're glad you're taking out Mr. Jones's trash. We're so glad that you're mowing Mr. Jones's lawn. And then you're looking at your house and your trash is piling up and your lawn's overgrown with weeds. And you're like, I'm so glad that you're helping the community, son. That's good, that's godly. But what about your own yard? What about your own trash? What about your own family? So hear my heart. I'm not saying that we shouldn't serve out in the community, but I am saying the Bible says that we need to find our place within the family too. Amen? And a family endeavor takes each family member finding their place and sharing a little bit of their gift so that the kingdom can continue to move forward and flourish. Amen. Somebody say amen. So I want to give us a clip, a clip, a video clip. It's a TED Talk video clip. It's not even two minutes. Uh, there's a man, he's, his name is Simon, and he's just talking about how the Navy SEALs teams are super effective and what makes the Navy SEALs teams effective, who makes it effective, and who doesn't even make it on the team. Let's take a minute and look at that real quick, and then we'll continue. Navy SEALs are one of the highest performing organizations on the planet. And a former Navy SEAL was asked, who makes it through BUDS? Who makes it through the selection process to become a SEAL? And he said, I can't tell you who gets through, who makes it, but I can tell you the kind of people who don't make it. He said the star college athletes that never have been really tested to the core of their being, none of them make it through. He said the preening leaders who like to delegate everything, none of them make it through. He said the big tough guys that come in with huge muscles covered in tattoos who want to prove to everyone how tough they are, none of them make it through. He said some of the guys that make it through are skinny and scrawny. He said some of the guys who make it through, you will see them shivering out of fear. 
He said, but every single one of them who makes it through, when they're emotionally exhausted, when they're physically exhausted, some way, somehow, they're able to dig down deep inside themselves to find the energy to help the person next to them. Service. Service. Giving to another, having their back, is what makes the highest performing teams in the world. Not their strength and not their intelligence. It's their willingness to be there for each other. It's their willingness to be there for each other. Do you like that? I might be able to make it on the Navy SEALs. I doubt it. I'm sure these men are awesome. But I thought that was interesting that he would say, you know, some of the highest performing teams are the ones that have the people on them that are willing to be there for each other. See, God isn't looking for a large church. He's looking for a healthy church. A healthy church can be an impactful church. But we can't be a healthy church if we don't know our part and we don't play it. Amen. Everybody part has to come together and play their part so that we can become healthier together. So which gift do you have? Which gift do you think God might want you to use to share in the responsibilities in the family so that we can continue to grow and move forward as a church body? Let's continue. What's next? Look at Acts verse 3. Acts 6 verse 3. So they've got this challenge, and in verse 3, the 12 summon everybody together. They say it this way, Seek out brethren from among you, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So they have a good reputation, they're full of God's Spirit, and they've got wisdom, and they say we want to appoint them over this business. So we want to pray for them. We want to appoint them. We want them to come up with the solution so that the widows aren't neglected in the distribution. Here's the second point I want to make when it comes to pulling together as a team, okay? Pulling together as a team takes empowering an organization. Empowering an organization. Would you say that with me, church? Come on. Empowering an organization. What is empowering? Empowering is entrusting others, in this context, with spiritual authority, with training and tools needed to act on one's behalf and to be successful at it, right? So that's what they did. They saw a problem. They said, okay, you guys got to select seven people. Bring them here. We're going to put them. We're going to give some of our authority. We're going to empower them to be over this business and to organize, to come up with a system so that the widows aren't neglected in the daily distribution. This was not a church of 50 people. This was hundreds, if not thousands of people by this time. It was a big church, a lot of people. It might have been broken up into house churches. I don't know all those details. But it was, it was, it was a task. And, and, and the 12 said, hey, we got to fix this. So what do we got to do? We have to empower people. We have, to, we have to give some of our authority over to them. We have to trust them. We have to release them. We have to allow them to do their part. We've got these seven men. They're full of the Holy Spirit. They're full of wisdom. They got a great reputation. We 12, we're not everything. We're not supposed to do everything. 
We have our role, and now we've got to find places for everybody else to fit so that we can keep moving together as a church family. Look at Acts 6, 6, verse 6. So they set these seven men before the apostles, the twelve, and they prayed for them, and they laid hands on them. There's the empowering. They prayed for them. I don't know what they said. They could have said something like, Father, we thank you for these seven men. They have good reputation. They're in good standing. They're walking in the character of Jesus. Father, we thank you that they're full of the Holy Spirit, the power of God's in their life and on their life. Lord, we thank you that you've given them wisdom. They can put two and two together spiritually. They have the ability to oversee this business. So we declare your blessing on them. We empower them right now. We release them. We give them authority in the kingdom of God to organize and to handle this business so that nobody's neglected anymore in the church. Amen. That's a good thing. So it takes empowering. It takes organizing. Uh, that's what pulling together as a team takes. If, if there's no empowering, if there's no releasing, if the, if the leader or the pastor is saying, no, I got to do it all. No, let me do it. It has to be done exactly. Well, that's not healthy. And a pastor can't do it all anyway. So we need to find ways to empower and release and organize so that we're all working together in unison as a team. Let me take, for example, our guest services team. Um, after COVID hit, we, we haven't quite re, re, rebounded the way that we would hope. So right now, I've got a limited guest services team. Uh, I've got Angela Burgess who comes in and serves and I've got Conrad and Arlene who come in and serve on our guest services team. Am I missing anybody else right now? Um, I don't think so. But between them and myself, we're just kind of trying to make it happen the best that we can. And I don't think, you know, we're neglecting anybody per se, but it's not functioning at the level that it could, at the level of excellence that it should, right? So we need a leader or a team to people say, hey, we're going to take on the responsibility, empower me, put us over this business. And now those leaders will probably have to select a couple of other people and share some of their authority and empower them. And then they want to come up with a plan to keep that reception area and that foyer clean and ready, right? We want to have things in order when our church family comes and when visitors come and we want to check people in. We want to get a visitor bag to a first-timer. We want to make sure everybody's warmly welcomed and received. We want to make sure that people know where the bathrooms are and people know where the children's building is. I can't do that all. I can't. I'll be running all over the place and trying to figure things out. We need a leader. We need a team. We had one at one point, and it was going pretty good, and some things changed. But that's just an area that we're limping. Another area where we're limping right now is in audiovisual uh, and the media team. Uh, David's up there every week. I'm so grateful for David. But that's not, that's not team, right? That's one person doing it every Sunday. And we've got Vinny who comes on, a, on occasion. He's here most Sundays. And Maurice is starting to jump in a little bit. But that's not, that's not functioning at the level it could. David's got some other giftings. But he can't even utilize those because he's there in that booth every Sunday. I'm so grateful for that. But how many of you know, that's not the best way we need to figure out, okay, who else can we bring on the team and empower them and train them and release them? Uh, somebody else could step into that role. So that's just another area where we're limping, right? I'm not bringing condemnation. I'm just sharing with you this is the reality of where we're at, 
I'm grateful for where we're at, and God's helping us. But God wants us to grow more spiritually, and he wants us to grow more numerically so that we can reach more people and impact them with his love and with the truth of his word and with Jesus Christ. So those are just a couple of areas where we need to identify some people and we need to empower some people and we need to transfer some of that authority over. This, by the way, is not just a New Testament concept. When you go all the way back to the Old Testament, I'm just going to tell you the story real quick. Um, Moses was leading the children of Israel, I don't know, like a million people. And he was sitting all day from sun up to sundown, and people were bringing him all the problems. And his father visited him one time, father-in-law, Jethro. He said, Moses, what are you doing? You're going to wear yourself out? You're going to wear all the people out? You can't do that anymore. you got to come up with some empowering and some training and some delegating because this is not God's plan. And then the Bible tells us in Exodus 18.21, it says this. He said, father-in-law told him, you need to select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers, leaders of thousands, Leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, and leaders of tens. So all the way back in the Old Testament, God knew in order for people to grow and for people not to be neglected and for our church family to move forward, you got to have some empowering. you got to have some organization. Somebody say organization. So what's the result? The result of me sharing my gifts, sharing responsibility, what's the result of empowering and organizing? Look at verse 7, Acts 6, 7. This is really good, and we're getting ready to close. I'll have the worship team come back up to the platform. Verse 7 says this, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Read it with me, church. Come on. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So here's the third and last truth I want to point out when it comes to pulling together as a team. This one's kind of wordy. Okay, I'm just warning you, there's a few, like three fill in the blanks. But I, I wanted to be thorough and not quick, okay? Not short. So look at what it says. Pulling together as a team, listen, takes the gospel to higher levels of effectiveness so that we can grow individually and as a family and reach more people for Christ. See that that was the result? Then the word of God spread. Then the number of disciples multiplied. That means that they won more people into the family of God by the preaching and the teaching of the Bible. Who was doing the preaching and the teaching of the scriptures? The 12. But what if they had given all their time to serving tables? Then the gospel wouldn't have been preached. Then more people wouldn't have been saved. I'm not saying that the pastor does all the preaching and teaching. That's not what I'm saying. The point I'm trying to make is pulling together as a team takes everyone finding their place, everyone doing their part, and then if we'll do that and we'll empower and organize and release and train, what happens? The gospel's more effective. It reaches more people. You and I grow individually, and we grow together as a family, and we reach more people for Christ. That was one of numerous times where it says the word of God grew, the word of God multiplied, the number of disciples multiplied. We see that all through the book of Acts. And I believe there was a turning point there. They had to come together and share their gifts 
and offer them to the Lord for the sake of the family. Amen? Have you been blessed by the word today? Come on, stand to your feet with me. Um, I'm going to say a prayer, and then after the prayer, we're going to sing one more song. But after I say a prayer, we're released, but we're still going to sing another song because we love singing to the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for giving us a gift of grace so that we can use it for the family, for the kingdom, for the sake of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you don't put any condemnation on anyone and anything that was said. It's just a deeper understanding, a realization, a being reminded, remembering that we have a gift You've graced us with the gift, and we get to use it for the family. We get to use it so more people will be impacted by God's love and God's grace and God's power. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.